Today, what I wanted to do, I tried to pick a psalm that was important to me, but also that I thought kind of wrapped up our series well. And we're going to look at Psalm 84. And this psalm is a psalm of longing. Okay, we've we talked about different psalms and the point of them and their intention and why they were written. This one was written because the people of Israel had a longing. And this longing, it's more than a want, okay? Just a simple want, something we desire. We want a cupcake. We want to go here or there. It's also a yearning, that deep-seated desire. It means we want something. But more than that, it's something that we've already known and we've lost something or we're separated from it. And we get this uh, easy example as from family members that have passed away. We have that desire, that longing to see them because we've, we've lost them, right? Another example would be when we're traveling, we're out abroad somewhere, and we just want to go home. Especially if you're traveling for work, because that's never as fun as traveling like for f- vacation. But we had an instance of that in 2019. We came for Easter Sunday here. We brought our kids. That was the second time me and Amy were here at this church. And the first time our kids were here. And we met those of you who were there at the time. It was 2019. And we drove down. Everything went great. Sunday was awesome. You know, Easter is always a fun, big celebration. And we headed back up I-75, just after Atlanta, we had um, an issue with our minivan where I'm driving and all of a sudden I'm accelerating, but the car is like lurching forward, okay? What happened is we get to this exit and I'm like, we got to get off. I can't drive safely. You know, this is a problem. And so we get off and the sign says, our least favorite word now, Cartersville, Georgia. We hear that name, we drive past that exit sign, and we just immediately remember this story. So what had happened is our brakes stopped working, but instead of not stopping the car, they were stuck on. So we couldn't go anywhere. So thankfully, it was not you know, overnight or anything, or the weekend, there was a shop open. We dropped the car off, and they took some time to get the parts and get it fixed, and we were there maybe 40 hours. Okay, it was a very expensive extension of our vacation. However, we made the best of it. You know, we we saw a movie. We swam at the hotel. We tried to do what we could to have some fun, but the whole time, all we wanted to do was to get home. You know, we knew at that time that this was going to be our home soon. But at the time then, Chicago was still home. Our home was there with our beds and our pillows and our shower. You know, all those things that you're used to at home. And all we wanted to do was to get there. Why is that? Because we love our home, right? Wherever we're from, Wherever we live, what family that's with us, we love home. It's familiar. We love the people there. 
we want to be back where we belong. Psalm 84 is a lot like that. The only difference is that the longing isn't for their home. It's for God. It's to spend time with God, to be in his presence, and to have fellowship with him. So just real quick, I'll start with a couple questions. And they're very simple. You don't have to answer them, but I want you to think about them this morning. Do you, each one of you, for yourself, not thinking about anybody else, do you long for God? Do you have a heart for God, a heart that wants God, desires God, to spend time with God and to know him? We're going to see in Psalm 84 three things that happen when we have a heart for God, okay? And so number one, we see that we find happiness when we dwell with God. Now, as we begin reading, I want you to pay attention to the places that are mentioned, okay? Psalm 84, verse 1, it says, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh Sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Now there's a few words here I just want to call out to clarify uh, what we're talking about. This first word here, lovely, that's not just something in appearance that, that would look lovely. It's something that is loved. And something that is loved, I want you to keep in mind, is something that is known. We don't typically love something just because it exists. Like we have some kind of experience to relate to that thing or that person that we love this thing. We love that person. Okay, and then in verse 2, longs and faints. The writer is saying they long for, um, my soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. This desire to be where God was, was very intense. You know, we don't faint just real quick for the fun of it. You know, it's usually something where we're physically exhausted or uh, hyd- uh, what's the word for dehydrated? Thank you. I should remember that one. But we're dehydrated, right? That doesn't happen just instantly. That's something that takes some time. And so these are extreme feelings that he, the writer has for the courts of the Lord. Uh, your dwelling place, it says there, the courts of the Lord, your altars, your house. These are the places I was talking about. And all of these places have one thing in common. It's where God is. And so this writer was describing an intense need to be in the place where God is. In the Old Testament, this started with the tabernacle. And Pastor Robert brought that up last week. The idea of the tabernacle and how the Israelites would move around and they had a tent called the tabernacle that they would put together 
And that's where God would meet with them. But the key was it was portable, so it went with them. So they would set it up, make camp, worship God while they were there, and then tear it down and leave and move to the next place. That sounds a little familiar, doesn't it? I would not want to be on that teardown and setup crew. That sounds like a big project. Because the tabernacle is where God would meet with them, they knew once it was set up, he would be there. And because that's where God was, that's where they wanted to be. And that's where God wanted to be, among the people. Now eventually, as Pastor Robert said, they built the temple. And the temple didn't move. So God would meet with them there, but it was wholly dependent on the people coming to the temple. It wasn't right in the middle of all of them. And so people, though, would make this trip back to the temple simply to meet with God. Why? Because he was going to be there. All they wanted throughout the Old Testament was to be where God was going to be. Psalm 119.2 tells us, Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. So we see spending time with God starts with a desire to be near God. And so if we're going to dwell with God, we have to spend time with him. And if we're going to spend time with him, we have to want to. In our day, we don't have to find the tabernacle or the temple. God meets with us wherever we are. He meets with us here today when we join together as a church to worship him. And he meets with each individual Christian in their lives, wherever they're at. When we pray, we talk to him. And when we read the Bible, he talks back to us. The key is to make that decision to spend time with God. If we want to be near to God, that's our first step. And that's exactly what the word dwell means. To sit, to live, to stay. And also, it's translated as tabernacle. That word Pastor Robert used last week. And so dwelling, God was dwelling with the Israelites in the tabernacle. And he wants us to do the same now when we dwell with him and spend time with him. Verse 4 says, blessed. In Psalms, a lot of the time, that word blessed means happy. Blessed or happy are those who dwell in your house. So we find happiness when we dwell with God. And not only that, number two, we find strength when we are fulfilled in God. Let's look back at Psalm 84 and verse 5. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. So we see right away he mentions strength. This isn't just strength of power. You know, how much can you lift? But this, this is a, a word that means along the lines of a drive. It gives us boldness. It gives us ambition. A sense of overcoming and prevailing. Or to move forward. Completing what we're supposed to do. 
and having the energy to do that, to put in that effort. The word here, the valley of Baca, this is associated with weeping. Okay, Baca is the same word that's used for weeping in the Old Testament in Hebrew. And some people, when you look this up, I was like, what is the valley of Baca? Like, I wanted to see if I understood it. Some people think it was trees. They had balsam trees. I don't know if you know these kind of trees, but they weep resin. And so they were considered weeping trees. And so perhaps it was a valley with those trees in it. The Bible tells us of one valley where uh, David defeated the Philistines there. And that valley had these balsam trees. So maybe it was that. Uh, Other people will think it could be an actual valley near Jerusalem. Because if the people are returning to Jerusalem, they're going through this valley. Um, It could just be a symbolic place of difficulty. We all experience those in our lives. Valley of weeping in life where it's just a season of, of trials and difficulty. Whether it's real or symbolic, the Israelites found themselves in this valley and all they wanted to do was get through it. They knew if they kept heading towards Jerusalem and towards the temple that God would be there. God was at the end of the journey and that's all they wanted was to get to to God. Even in difficult times, in our valleys of weeping, we can know it will be worth it simply because God will be there with us at the end. Psalm 17, 15 says, As for me, I shall behold your face, God's face in righteousness. When I awake, I shall be satisfied with your likeness. We see again that they wanted to be near to God and spend time there, but it adds a layer because they knew it was what they should be doing. It wasn't just this desire that they had. They knew it was a priority and a purpose for them. In those days, they would set aside everything. Their work, whatever was going on, you know, their farmers, everything would just be left at home and they would make this journey to Jerusalem simply to worship God, to spend that time with him. You see, they knew that God gives us our purpose and he's the source of fulfilling our purpose. God doesn't just give us a purpose and say, go figure it out. He's the one who helps us to fulfill it as well. We see our purpose in the three circles, in our our sign back there. It's part of God's design, what he created every human to be. Now, I have a friend I brought today. I say a friend. It's not alive. But it is my friend because it's been hanging out with me for a while. Does anybody know what this is? It was a sprinkler, right? This was at our house in front of the air conditioner on the side of the house when we moved in, which was just about four years, three years ago, three years ago. And I don't know how, because I was trying to be really careful, and I just ran it over with a lawnmower. And that's why it looks like this on this end. So it's a sprinkler, but it does not sprinkle anymore. Okay? It had a purpose. Its job was to sprinkle water on the lawn next to my house. But it cannot fulfill that purpose anymore. See what I'm saying? 
It's, it's, it's not going to do it. You can't even like spit through it, <laughs> force some water. You could tape it, but if it's not 100% airtight, what's going to happen when I turn it on? It's going to go, <laughs> try to be a rocket here in, in Florida. The problem is it has a purpose. It can't fulfill its purpose. And that's exactly what the three circles shows us. God's design is that every human is created for relationship with him, to bring glory to him. That's our purpose. And sin moves us into the second circle, which is brokenness. We're as broken as this sprinkler. And we can't fulfill our purpose separated from God. I could try to fix the sprinkler, like I said, but it's never going to be the same, right? It's also been in my garage for three years, so don't ask me why it's sitting on a shelf when it can't do its job. I think it was divine appointment so it could be here today. <laughs> However, when we're broken and we can't fulfill our purpose, God doesn't throw us away. God has a way to fix us. And that's the third circle at the bottom, the gospel. We know simply that Jesus died on the cross. He was buried, he rose again, and he makes a way for us to have that relationship with God restored. See, we're off in brokenness, and you know the little squiggly arrows. If you haven't seen it, check it out on the way out. It's next to the door. But when you're broken, these squiggly arrows are us trying to fix it on our own, trying to restore our own purpose. And we do that a lot of different ways. But the problem is all of those ways in, in reality, when you boil it down, are really just Satan trying to keep us from actually getting fixed. And so as long as he can keep us over there and broken, we can't fulfill our purpose. That's all he's after. It's not even so much to keep us down. It's because if we're not fulfilling our purpose, less glory is going to God. That's what Satan is all about. And we're just the means by which he does that. We know that through the gospel, we can be fixed. The three circles say if we repent and believe the gospel... The third arrow going back to God's design says that we can recover and pursue his design. Another way to say that is we can recover our purpose and we can pursue our purpose. But we can only do that through God. And the Israelites knew that. The problem is when we feel lost or separated from God, the issue is usually that we are focused on trying to be the creator. And what do I mean by that? We're all created, right? God is the creator. He created us. Any created thing has a purpose of bringing glory to its creator. Whoever invented the sprinkler didn't get enough glory because I don't know his name. But everyone has them now, right? They're all over the state of Florida being used for every lawn almost, and he gets the glory for that even though we don't know who to, who to give it to. We'd all have to look it up. We could figure that out. But the point is, he gets the glory for creating the sprinkler. 
as created things, our job is to bring glory to our creator. But when we think we're the creator, we think that we're the one who should be getting the glory from our family, from our friends, our job, whatever's going on in our lives, we think this should give me glory and I don't see it. And we get upset, we get depressed, we feel lost, we don't know what's going on or how to fix it. And that's because we're not in the right spot. We're not doing our job. We've forgotten that we are, in fact, the ones that were created. And we're not at the same level of God, so we don't deserve that glory. When we remember that, that we're part of God's design, only then will we remember our purpose. And everything we do, like I said, the families, relationships, careers, your home, your manicured lawn with your sprinklers, whatever it is, it's not for our glory, but for his. And so when we remember that, we can pursue that purpose and God energizes us. He enables us to fulfill that purpose. In other words, we find strength when we are fulfilled in God. We don't find that strength anywhere else. Nothing else fulfills us the way that God does. Lastly, number three, we find hope when we trust in God. The last three verses here in Psalm 84 say this, starting in verse 10. <clears throat> For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Oh, Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Verse 10 tells us there, the, the psalmist says, one day with God is better than a thousand elsewhere. Do you believe that? We don't always live like we believe that, do we? I know I don't. Do you really believe that any time with God would be better than all the time away from him? Whether we believe that or not is very evident in how we spend our time and how we live our lives. It's similar to how our kids copy the things we don't want them to. It's really obvious what those parents are teaching those kids by how they behave. It's really obvious what we think of God, how we live our lives. And when you think about that parallel, we show others what we think of God with how we live. It's not just ourselves like we see it in ourselves, but other people see it. When we believe that God will do what he has said and that he will be faithful, it gets a little easier each time, right? We begin to trust him. And then as we do that, we show others that we trust God because we continually trust him. So what we say and what we do, it reflects what we think of God. And when we show in our actions and words that we're trusting God, it will reflect his priorities, not ours. And it will be really easy for others to see it because nowadays especially, you do something kind at work that's like totally Christian and you wouldn't normally want to do. And people are like, 
what did you do that for? Like, I'll say, I'll, I'll cover this project for you because I know you have to do this. You're already busy. Why would you take on another project? What are you, weird? It's very obvious to people. And it could be something like that with work where it's not even like a spiritual thing, right? It's just kindness and showing love to a colleague. But when we do it, it stands out. As we live life this way, verse 11 says, No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. That sounds really good, doesn't it? It's only one problem. We all think that the things God might or might not withhold is up to us. And the walking uprightly part is up to us. But it's not our definitions, is it? It's God's, he's the one that's saying, whatever is good won't be withheld to those who walk uprightly. It's his definition of good, his definition of uprightly. It's all about what God says it to be. Everything that we think is good might not be, plain and simple. But the fact is, God knows if it's good or not. He's not thinking and guessing like we are. We have to live uprightly. That doesn't mean what we think is to, to do is correct. Like, we might have the right idea, but sometimes we don't. God knows, and he's instructed us in what that is. In his book, The Peacemaker, Ken Sandy says, Trusting God does not mean believing he will do what you want but rather believing he will do everything he knows is good. We don't always know what's good for us, and we think we do, but we're often wrong. And if we trust God and seek his purpose for us, we won't be wrong because he's never wrong. Does that make sense? If we're following God, we're not going to be wrong because he's never wrong. Psalm 9.10 says, And those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. God does not forsake those who seek them, seek him. That is a statement of fact. It's not an opinion. It's not what this writer was just thinking. God does not forsake people who seek him. As we've seen in the lives of people in this room, and just in stories we hear, we have evidence of God's faithfulness. The stories in the Bible sometimes feel like, oh, that was so long ago. Does God still do that? But we see it in our lives, within our church. And God takes care of his people over and over when they're seeking after him. We find hope when we trust in God. We find hope for a relationship in our life that needs to be repaired. We find hope for our kids that we think just won't listen to anything. We find hope for situations that need to be resolved. And life's questions where we don't think we can figure out an answer, we find hope for all of that when we trust in God. I pray that if you're here and you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, that you believe these things to be true and that if you've experienced that hope and the strength and the happiness we're talking about, then you already know God is able. 
And it's just a matter of remembering that you can rely on him. Maybe there's somebody here that's not sure about trusting God. Maybe you've thought about it before, but you've never given it a try. Maybe you've never even considered it, but today I said one thing and you're just kind of like, well, that's curious. Earlier I mentioned the three circles that are on the big sign. God's design is that each person have a relationship with him. And as I mentioned, sin ruined that. We talk about Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. That's when sin came into mankind and that led us into brokenness. Not because we're each the ones who did that, but because we've come from them, we're descendants. Mankind in total is broken. And we can't fix that brokenness on our own. We can try whatever we want. We can try everything. It just doesn't work. The gospel, as I mentioned, is how God fixes our problem, sending Jesus, his only son, to die on the cross, to pay for all of our sins, and to rise again, on that third day to give us life. That's how we, we have our situation fixed and our brokenness fixed. If we repent of our sin and believe in the gospel, the Bible says that we can recover and pursue this design I'm talking about for God's, that God has for us, for each of our lives, to have a relationship with him and to bring glory to him. I pray that if you're not sure about those facts or you're, you have a question or anything, that you would come, you'd ask me, Pastor Robert, Pastor Jay, we would love nothing more than to talk to you about that. That's why we're here. That's why we do all of this. That's why we set up all this stuff every week, is to help, help people to see what we're talking about, um, finding hope by trusting in God. Just the fact that I'm standing here this morning is proof of God's faithfulness. So I know maybe you haven't seen it as up close as I have, but I just want to tell you real quick, the fact that I'm here in Florida and speaking to you this morning is because of God's faithfulness. According to our world and like the laws of economics and sound logic, I should still be living in Illinois. There was no reason that we should have been able to get out of the, the mortgage we had at the time that we did and move here and figure out living arrangements here all while I was able to keep my job, which is in Chicago, even though I'm not. But we, we worked through all of that. My wife and I prayed through all of that and talked to other people. We talked with the Hodges and the Bramers. We talked with our pastors back in Illinois. We knew God had a purpose for us in moving to Orlando, okay? Because we had spent time with God, we knew that was our purpose, and so we pursued it. And because of that, we got strength from God to pursue that purpose, and he fulfilled that purpose. And we trusted in God the whole way, and he made it happen because he is faithful, it wasn't just something we wanted to do. Like, yeah, we wanted to live in Florida. That's always sounded cool. But like, to be here at Bethel, Bethel wasn't even a thing yet. <laughs> if you remember, shout out to Church at South Creek, right? It wasn't a thing yet. But God wanted us here. And he's been faithful to us this whole time. So I would encourage you, it could be something so much smaller than that. 
God might not be asking you to move across country. I hope not, because Florida is the best. But a heart for God will find hope when we trust in God. It will find strength when we are fulfilled in God, and it will find happiness when we are near to God. Let's pray.